will say to the North, give up. Whatever enemy is attacking you, whatever lie is coming into your head, God says, give up, surrender to the South. Do not withhold. And then he says this, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Why didn't God just say, bring my children? He looked at them and said, you have a sexual identity assigned to you, male, female, sons, daughters. That's who you are and this is who I am and I want you to come. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, that's your identity. The question is, what do you believe? Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We've spent the last few weeks in a series called Marriage Matters. And with the very definition of marriage being questioned in our culture, it's crucial that believers know what God's Word says, not only about marriage, but about gender and sexual identity as well. In last week's message, Pastor Trent took us to Genesis 1 to understand God's design for marriage and sexuality from the very beginning of creation. Today, Pastor Trent flips forward to the book of Romans in the New Testament to tell us what happens to those who reject God's original design. Here's Pastor Trent. Same-sex orientation is part of our disorientation away from God. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Now, we know what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, they ate the forbidden fruit. And as soon as they did, they began to experience something God never designed them to experience. Look at it, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Up until that point, they had no idea. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife did something they'd never done before. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Before when God showed up, they ran to Him. Now that they had sinned, they ran away from Him. What had happened? Their orientation toward God had changed. People ask all the time, is homosexuality something you are born with? Are people born that way? Now, I'm not going to pretend to answer all, and know all the answers to that question, but I will say this. Every person here, whether you are heterosexual or homosexual in your orientation, is born with an orientation toward sin and away from God. That orientation is our brokenness. It's our fallenness. God didn't create us that way. He created us with an orientation toward Him. But when our great-grandparents sinned, now our orientation is away from God. It makes me a magnet toward sin, and it makes me allergic to God. How does your brokenness work itself out in sexual sin in your life, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual? It's kind of irrelevant whether or not you're born that way. You're just born disoriented away from God. And it works itself out in a thousand different ways, heterosexually and homosexuality. 
But we all have a choice. And being born with a disposition towards sin is never an excuse to pursue your orientation into sinful activity. Some people are born, I believe, with a sinful disposition to be angry all the time. They're just mad. But we tell them, you're not allowed to beat your kids. You're not allowed to beat your wife. You're not allowed to start fights on the playground. Control yourself. Put you in a little anger management class. Okay, We'll help you have a little therapy there. Some people, I believe, are born with an orientation to be uh, alcoholics. What do we tell them? Stay out of the bar, right? No, you can't even drink a beer because we know you're going to abuse it. We, we tell people to limit themselves and regulate themselves, and if they can't regulate themselves, we help them regulate, right? It may surprise you. I, I have a sinful orientation toward women. I'm watching a football game. Cheerleaders pop up on the screen. You know what my orientation is? Feast my eyes on that. But you would tell me, Trent, you're the pastor of a church. Control yourself. You're sick. It's like, yeah, I am. And God has provided for you a wife. Let the, the provision that God's provided be uh, what you limit yourself to. You see, just because you say, I've got an orientation or I want to do something does not excuse what you do to follow it in. Same-sex orientation is part of the brokenness and the fallenness of all of us. And so we need to understand if we don't regulate, if we don't limit our freedoms, we will spiral into more and more sin. And this is the point at which I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 1. Now we're in the New Testament. Verse 18, Romans chapter 1 says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now, can we just stop right there? It's like, what? The wrath of God? Can we just talk about the love of God for a few minutes? Listen, this whole idea of uh, the debate about so-called same-sex marriage and, and anytime we're talking about any type of sin, do you understand, as admirable as it is to say we, we don't want that to happen because of the negative effects it might have on children and, and other generations, do you realize the main issue is not about protecting children. The main issue is about protecting you from being incinerated by the wrath of God. That's important. And we love you enough to tell you that. You do not want to experience the wrath of God. I don't want to experience the wrath of God. So what do I need? I need a shield from the wrath of God. God loved me so much, he provided the shield in his own son, nailed him to a cross, treat him like he should have treated me because of all my heterosexual sin and maybe your homosexual sin. He treated Jesus as if he'd committed your sin so that he could treat you as if you'd never sinned, like his son. That's the gospel. We need a shield from the wrath of God. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for those who will repent and believe. But if you will not repent and believe, guess who's going to get it? The wrath of God is revealed, it says in verse 18, against all ungodliness. Notice it doesn't say homosexual ungodliness. All ungodliness. No difference. And unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Two things here. What is truth? Truth is that which is right for all men at all times in all places. Truth is transcendent. 
Truth is not created in Congress. Truth is not created in a church. Truth is not created in, in the Supreme Court. Truth is created outside of the human experience and handed down from a loving God to his creation so that they can reflect his glory when they obey him and believe the truth. Truth is not something that is made. Truth is something that is given. Truth is not discovered. Truth is revealed from God who exists outside of us and interposes in a loving way to call us into relationship with Him. So people who do not believe the truth will eventually begin to suppress the truth. That means constrict or choke or step on or get out of the way so that people aren't exposed to the truth. That's why it's very important that we, um, as believers, understand. You, you may say, well, I'm not, I'm not gay. I don't want to be gay. I don't want to be married to a same-sex person, but I don't care what other people do with their stuff. Listen, do you understand that there could come a day very soon, even next week, that this sermon is considered hate speech and this preacher either pays a fine or goes to jail? If he dares to speak out on this issue, is that the kind of culture you want to live in? You say, well, I'm not a preacher, so I'm not going to jail. Are you a business owner? Maybe you're a cake decorator or a photographer, and a same-sex couple wants you to come and serve them at their wedding, and you say, I don't really want, I'm not going to approve. Now you are discriminating. You could be sued. Do you understand that you're a school teacher, and you're going to be in a public school, and you're going to have to teach the children what the laws of the land is. And if this is legalized, you're going to have, now little five-year-olds now see you have a choice. Now you can marry a man, you marry a woman. You know, in 20, 30 years, you marry a dog or six wives. You know, it's because that's we devolve, right? We don't ever stay where we're at. So this has global ramifications. That's why it's important. So he says, these people suppress the truth. Look at verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Did you know that you don't know everything about God? God has chosen not to reveal everything there is to know about him. But there are some things you can know about God. One of the things you can know, it's very plain, is how he feels about this issue. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. How has he done that? His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. What things that have been made? Male and female, XXXY chromosomes. We've discovered those that they're things that God made. There are body parts that God made for men and body parts that made for women. And you can know how those are supposed to fit together based on what God has created. Look at verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. Do you understand that the first step toward sexual deviation, the first step toward same-sex orientation is a failure to thank God for the way He has made you or the things that have happened to you? Have you thanked God for the way you're made? Have you thanked God for everything that happened to you? You say, Trent, what happened to me was sin. You want me to thank God for that? 
You don't thank God for the sin. You thank God that he's big enough, wise enough, and powerful enough that if he wanted to, he could have prevented that from happening. And because he didn't, he's got a wise and good plan. And now in your pain and in your hurt and in your shame and in your guilt, he comes to you and offers you redemption and love and says, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened to you, I have redeemed you and I love you. And if your response is anything less than thank you, God, you'll suppress the truth. Instead, some of us have gotten bitter and angry and upset at God and any God that would allow that to happen to me, I'm not going to serve him. They didn't give him thanks. And so what happened to them? They became futile in their thinking and foolish in their hearts and their hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up. Underline that. You're going to see it three times in this verse. God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. When we exchange the truth that God has created us, male and female, for a lie that I have some other orientation, that's when I become a slave to my passion. And God allows it as he gives up to what you want because you suppress the truth. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. It's the most explicit statement about lesbianism in the Bible. Verse 27, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. Third time, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. God gave them up. Do you understand that guilt is a merciful gift of God? When you violate God's law and God's will, if you experience guilt in that, that is the gracious, loving hand of God trying to draw you back into His will. When you violate God's will and you experience no guilt and no shame and your conscience is hardened and your heart is darkened, you know what's happened? God's given you up. Do what you want to do. God treats you the way you want to be treated. You want absolute freedom? Fine. And that is the worst form of judgment. Verse 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who act in such things deserve to die. Yeah, they deserve to die. Everyone deserves to die. That's why 
Jesus died because God treated Jesus in a way he didn't deserve because we deserve to die. And those who will embrace the death of Jesus as a substitute for their death will be saved. If not, it says they not only do them themselves, but give approval to those who practice them. So, courageously, compassionately, as Christians, we say no, we cannot and will not approve of so-called same-sex marriage because it's not loving to tell you a lie. So, here's the third point. Sexual orientation is determined by who you allow to define your identity. You see, what you do is informed by what you think. What you think is informed by who you think you are. And who you think you are is informed by the one who you allow to assign your identity. Let's put it this way. We, we too often focus too much on what we do, but what we do is important. We, we look at our actions. Actions can be put in one or two categories. God approves or God doesn't approve. Godliness or ungodliness. But what I do is informed by what I think, my thoughts in my head. And what goes through our head is in the category of true or lies. The only weapon Satan has against a Christian is a lie. And so at some point, he tries to assign a value to you. He will come to you and he may say, whisper in your ear, you're gay. Now, that may come through a ruthless seventh grader that just didn't like the fact that you had a lisp and didn't like football. But the, the seed is planted. And so you begin to question, well, I wonder if I'm, I'm gay. I, I'm gay. I'm gay. And now you introduce yourself. I, I'm Joe and I'm gay. And, and someone tried to stamp an identity on you. Instead of rejecting that identity, you embraced it. And now you believe the lie. You exchange the truth. Instead of saying, I'm Joe and I'm male, you say, I'm Joe and I'm gay. You exchange the truth of what God has said about you for the lie that what somebody else has said about you and now you believe. And so your thoughts are informed by your identity, who you think you are. God says you are one or the other, male or female. And yet today we've created all these other categories and this, the, the initials just keep getting longer, keep adding initials. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and on and on. And just keep creating categories. Why? Because we haven't received our identity from our Creator. Here's the question I would have for every person here. Who are you allowing to define your identity? Was it a cruel accuser who mocked you in the seventh grade? Was it a mom or a dad who failed to model permanent, intimate marriage relationship to you because their marriage was filled with fighting and adultery and divorce? Not just what they said, but what you saw and that stamped you and that was the lie that you saw. This is what marriage is. That's a lie. That's not a marriage. That's not God's uh, demonstration of marriage. Did somebody assign a value to you because 
your dad was absent or your mom was domineering and they didn't give you a biblical model of manhood or womanhood? Were you in a relationship with a member of the opposite sex and that ended in such pain and hurt and discouragement and you vowed you'd never take the risk of entering into an opposite sex relationship again because you didn't want to experience that pain and so you've experimented with same-sex relationships? Is that how your identity was formed? Was it a pornographic image you were exposed to? It sparked curiosity and you went on a curious search? Was it someone who was confused about their own sexual identity that opened up to you and showed affection to you and you'd never felt so much affection and love and then pretty soon they lured you into a same-sex relationship and the truth was exchanged for a lie? Is that what happened? Was it someone whom you trusted a friend, a relative, a brother, a sister, a friend of a relative, a brother or sister that touched you, that abused you and confused you. It's like if they're treating me this way and they're male and I'm male, then this I guess I'm, I guess I'm gay. And that is the subtlety of the lie that you were stamped with an identity other than what God has said about you. So what do you do? You have to exchange the lie for the truth. Here's the truth. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. This is what God says about you. Every one of you, this is what God says about you. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. These were God's people. And at the time Isaiah was speaking this, he was a prophet who was hated, considered a bigot, considered intolerant, but he went to a sexually immoral people that who were disoriented away from God and he calls them back to God and says, this is what God says about you. He created you. He formed you. The word formed means fashioned every little intricate part, every cell, every chromosome, every body part. God did that for a reason. And he says, fear not. You don't have to fear his wrath. He says, I have redeemed you. That's a purchase. He's purchased you back from the price of sin and he's called you by name. And he says, you are mine. I'm not gonna allow anybody else to identify you as theirs. You belong to me. You need to hear that today. That is the truth. And if you can exchange the lie that you've believed about your sexual orientation with the truth of what God says about you, you can be redeemed too. He says this in verse six, I will say to the north, give up. Whatever enemy is attacking you, whatever lie is coming into your head, God says, give up, surrender to the south. Do not withhold. And then he says this, bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Why didn't God just say, bring my children? He looked at them and said, you have a sexual identity assigned to you, male, female, sons, daughters. That's who you are, and this is who I am, and I want you to come. Everyone who is called by my name, whoever whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, that's your identity. The question is, what do you believe? 
Sexual orientation is determined by whom you choose to define your identity. Let me ask you to bow your heads for a second. We need to respond to the truth. If right now there's something in you that wants to suppress the truth, you want to step on it, you want to choke it out, you want to constrict it, you want to get away from it, you want to run, you want to hide, that is not the voice of the lover of your soul. Your creator, the lover of your soul, says, I have redeemed you. You're mine. Sons, daughters, come to me as your creator. I have made you. I have formed you. That's the truth. I'm the one who assigns your identity. Do you believe the truth? Do you believe the truth that no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for all those who will repent and believe the truth. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Would you just tell the Lord, Lord, thank you for making me. Lord, I choose to believe the truth. So many lies that have been fed to me by the enemy. Things I've watched, things I've seen, words that have been spoken to me, movies I've watched, images that I've allowed into my head. And Lord, I go on record right now to say those are lies. I believe that I am a son or a daughter of you. I accept by faith the price that was paid for my sin on the cross by Jesus. I deserve to die, but he took my place. And right now I repent. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me. Thank you for giving me another chance. And in this moment, I I choose what you say about me. Father, I pray that um, right now for every person, Lord, the, the darkness that is probably inside some of our hearts today, Lord, that maybe nobody else knows about, Lord, I pray that you would shine the light on that. Lord, would you set the captives free? God, would you give us a compassion that drives us toward those that need you and not away? God, I pray that this would be a place where any sinner who is willing to hear the truth would be welcomed and embraced and loved and cared for and encouraged. I pray that would be true today even for some that may need come and surrender to you. I hope you're encouraged by Pastor Trent Griffith's message today that we have been called by God as beloved sons and daughters to find our identity in him. We want you to know that wherever you are in your walk with God, you are welcome at Harvest. We invite you to join us this weekend on one of our two campuses in Granger, Indiana and St. Joseph, Michigan. Service times and campus locations can be found online at harvestgranger.org. And to our Resonate listeners near Elkhart County, are you looking for a church in your community that unapologetically and boldly proclaims the Word of God? 
We love to hear from you. Email us at resonate at harvestgranger.org. You can join the core group of people seeking the Lord's direction for an extension campus of Harvest Bible Chapel in Elkhart County. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for being with us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.